Hello, hello. Welcome to the Eddie Conversation Podcast. My name is Eddie V. Hill and I am your host. Uh, this is episode number 38 and joining me today is Nora Ann Brucklocker. You are a... I just went through the whole list. All right. <laughs> Marriage and Family Therapist, owner of Sierra... Sorry, mm-hmm. Sierra Sunrise Wellness. Correct. And uh, you have a new segment uh yeah, Therapy Thursdays on Mornings on Fox 11. Um, so it's every other Thursday, and uh, it's a mental health news segment uh, talking about areas of concern or areas of helpful wellness uh, tips. There's there's a lot that we have already covered and plan to cover. Yes. Uh, yeah, I guess that was the last thing I was going to mention that I, that I slipped on, but uh, Ambassador for Mental Health. Right. Um, I guess just to clarify for people, I am currently in your home. Thanks for having me. Uh, Reno, Nevada, or Sparks, Sparks, Nevada specifically. Um, and, uh, and I uh, am here with my family, and uh, I think that that's one of the, the greatest pieces of, of today is we've been friends for a very long time, former roommates in fact. You introduced me to my husband, um, and now uh, we have three beautiful children, so you guys might hear some of that chaos in the background from time to time during this filming, so. Yes. But uh, it's, it's, it's really wonderful to be here with you today. It's very nice. It's very nice. A nice uh, excuse to catch up and talk about, because we haven't had a chance to sit down and chat for a while so this is this is very cool um, yeah yeah post covid i don't well co- post covid <laughs> um but since since covid arrived yeah i i would say that's been the case you um were here i think for my daughter's first birthday second birthday one of the two um but that that was also really special and it's been a while she'll be three in december so yes yeah yeah, I got lucky with that one. I was in town for Christmas or something. Is Christmas yeah. time? Yeah. Is that, yeah. 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 So I don't. I don't know where to start with. I want to. Okay, we can dive into some of our our personal history and talking mm-hmm. about. Because uh, when I think of you, I guess in my personal creative journey as like a filmmaker and stuff, mm-hmm. I always look back to the very like beginning phases of deciding to even just push forward with producing my own stuff initially Mm -hmm. and I was Mm -hmm. living with you at the time and I don't remember the specific conversation but what came out of it was Nora was pushing me to just 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 make the leap make the jump and start doing the thing so (laughs) I yeah so for me I credit you for a lot Mm -hmm. of help you know being a big supportive player in getting me you know, pushing me out, getting me out of my comfort zone, and, oh, I love that. and that Thank kind you. of stuff. So, it's uh, yeah, that means a lot. It makes me very happy. Yeah, to see your face. But um, let's talk. I uh, let's start with talking about the the new segment and kind of what the what the goals are there. And um, you're talking. You're giving me a heads up a little bit before we started rolling, and I said to save it, but the. <laughs> 
I'm curious as to how new it is, what the long-term plans of it are, like, like the goals, mm -hmm. and what kind of areas you are, like how to decide when to talk about each topic or what the priorities are on that, how to, like what, what to start with. It. Yes, all right, we have a, oh. we have a hello. <laughs> and we uh, lost the robe now, yes, yes. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So with the, the mental health segment, um, well, it came about uh, in that I have been working with uh, different news channels in this area um, for the last, oh gosh, um, two and a bit years. So uh, June of 2019 is when I first started all of that. Hey, love. Remember, we're doing this right now. Yeah, nope, we're not going to do the volume because mommy's having a very special conversation. Nope. Hey, love bug. One. One. Okay. This isn't going to work right now. You can either go upstairs and you can have volume or you can stay down here and you can just watch the picture. What do you think? Do you want to stay down here and just watch the picture without a volume? Because otherwise, if you want volume, that's totally fine. No picking your nose, please. Bloody nose. Okay, perfect. Um, so, uh, it was, uh, very exciting, of course, uh, to begin that journey. Um, but what really came about from it was some very important conversations mm -hmm. that, um, it was really wonderful to start hearing other people being willing to talk about these subjects and even really, you know, with the news, um, being willing to discuss them because there are some, some topics that I think they probably don't really want to touch with the 10 foot pole, but they do all the time. You know, for example, uh, teen suicide, that is one that they do report on. Do you want me to put that in your hair? And um, it's a reality. It's something that unfortunately uh, it does happen. Um, there are um, domestic violence incidents. There's uh, substance abuse issues. Of course, they report on DUIs, things like that. And so the, the truth of it is, is I think people will say like mental health, that doesn't even really exist. But the, the reality is that we all have mental health. Whatever condition it might be in is a whole other question, but we all have mental health. So being able to bring conversation to it, having the opportunity to, to help people to recognize when things are occurring. And I think as well, hopeful, uh, I am hopeful to provide hope. So I think hope is one of the, the most important components. Um, but uh, with the mental health segment recently, it's been a really exciting opportunity. Mm -hmm. um, we have just recently talked about, say, like the Afghanistan situation that occurred. And um, throughout this COVID experience, um, I have appeared via Skype. Um, recently, I've been able to go back into the studio and do the, the live segments with them there, too. I mean, for the mental health segment, they're all live. But um, I see myself as um, a conduit of sorts. That might be a strange way to put it. But, of course, there is an ego boost that comes along with this. Uh, how could there not be, right? It's, it's very exciting to be in this position. And 
when it really comes down to it, it's not really about me per se. It's about the larger whole. It's about the community care aspect. Um, I think self-care just isn't enough. Community care has to be a part of the conversation. And that's what this is providing is that larger audience, that larger potential for being able to, to open the doorways for perhaps, hopefully, more people getting the services that they need. So when you say... One. So when you say One. community care... Community care. Community yeah. care. So uh, what does that mean? So community care is that it takes a village. We are a village and it's um, everybody contributing in whatever capacity that they are able to. But we um, have for millennia taken care of one another, mm -hmm. right? Each person in a tribe would have their um, specialty. You know, this is the woodworker. This is the person that you go to um, for for uh, your swords or whatever. <laughs> you know, I mean, but really, like the blacksmith, right? Um, but then uh, you also have those who are the healers of the group. Um, and I would uh, put myself into that category is um, I provide counsel. Um, but when life gets hard, and it does, just inherently it does, um, we rely upon those resources around us. And I think it, in our day and age, and especially during COVID times, isolation is the name of the game. But that is almost against our, our nature. Um, some people obviously really enjoy isolation. And for them, it really hasn't been that big of a change. <laughs> um, if anything, they're like, well, that's very validating to my existence now. <laughs> um, but majority of people, they rely on that community. So community care is being there for and with one another. So it's more about, um, in terms of the mental health and keeping, keeping yourself healthy, having places to go and, and support in the community mm -hmm. is, the, is the goal. And, and I guess I was thinking about it as um, expanding awareness is also, like that's kind of, what maybe the other segment is about is like this is a topic we can discuss this is a topic that's out there yeah so feel free to um reach out and all that all sorts of things there so hopefully yeah what was the what was the first topic that you covered in uh in the segment do, do you recall yeah i do uh so the first official one yes. that i I covered um, when it was uh, Therapy Thursdays was uh, talking about access to healthcare network. Um, it's an incredible community organization. Uh, the CEO is Sherry Rice, and I do a podcast with her uh, pretty regularly. But she is just an incredible powerhouse, and so I wanted to give a shout out to her. Access to healthcare network provides. Um, uh, access to healthcare uh, for those who are underinsured or uninsured. So um, during during times of health crises, what do you do? Um, because it can absolutely cost an arm and a leg to receive services, and that can be a huge barrier for people to do preventative care um, or when they really need the services to go in at all. So that was my first segment that I covered. My first one with Mornings on Fox 11 was February of 2020, and uh, it was Kobe Bryant's death. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
that was your first? My first with that particular news team. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to. All right. Um, I. Okay. Yeah. What? I guess like like big world dreams of how you w would like to see people interacting or like to see available you know, like to see people operating in the world what kind of what kind of um, dream because um, you're doing this for a reason sure. so you're trying to create the world that you wish to see around you as I'm assuming right yeah, that's a that, great way to put it I love so, that so how what what does that world look like to you well <laughs> there's or, the yeah. the cliche answer which is I just want us all to get along um, but the truth is is that conflict is a part of existence conflicts are are um, probably the reason why I have such job security um, is because communication can be particularly difficult. Uh, emotions, pull. Oh. <laughs> uh, I can't tell you the number of people who are like, I don't want to cry today. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, and I try very hard, in fact, to ensure that people don't go beyond what they're really um, ready to do. Mm -hmm. um, that can bring with it what's called the vulnerability hangover, which means that we perhaps opened up too much too fast. Um, and, and that can leave you with the uh, feeling, just feeling um, that, that, again, that sense of vulnerability. So the truth of it is, is that um, I, I don't necessarily see that we're ever going to not have conflict. Mm -hmm. Conflict, I think, as well as how we grow. I think that um, being able to discuss differing perspectives and ideas can be really incredible towards innovation. With that said, what, what's the world that I want to create? Um, I want to create a world that's conscientious and hospitable and uh, we look out for our neighbor. Um, and we also are willing to do that deep dive internally so that we can work on our own ish rather than projecting it outward. Anger, for example, is very externalized. So rather than necessarily attending to some of the things that are happening internally, um, a lot of people will push that outwards. Now, that's not to say that anger doesn't always, or excuse me, doesn't also have very much a place at the table. There are things to be angry about and that there are also people who are very scared to get angry because for them it represents something else that perhaps they themselves were exposed to that they don't want to replicate. I get that too. Um, I think that it's uh, allowing for these voices to be heard. Um, and I think that it's learning how to have that dialogue so that we as a collective whole can do better. Yeah. That's great. Um, you mentioned, uh, what, how did you describe it? The hangover? The vulnerability, vulnerability hangover. hangover. Um, is that, so like you said, sharing too much too, too quick, like maybe is that like a form of potential regret uh, or like uh can be if you don't have the foundation for it yeah we're like i shared everything and now i just feel bad that i did that and i don't want to do it again is that like the is that the so there's like this middle yeah. ground of 
how to properly share, how much to share. Yeah. I, I will say it to sure. all of my clients mm -hmm. in a first session is that if I start to notice that we're hitting kind of their threshold, right? That, um, that's as far as they can go. So a threshold is about the point where uh, we might go just ever so slightly past it, but then that's it. We don't want to go any farther than that. And that doesn't seem much, right? But if we do that little by yeah, little yeah. over time, see how much we've already done. That, it, doesn't, it wouldn't feel like it though. And that's the importance yeah. is that's how that growth in progress can occur. Um, but we want to be really conscien conscientious to our own boundaries. Mm -hmm. And I think that actually is one of the areas where some people um, aren't aware uh, what their boundaries are. And some of us aren't until perhaps it has been stepped on and then we don't know how to talk about it. Some people might internalize that and then explode, um, you know, keeping all those little tiny things added up and then um, rather than speaking to those smaller things and letting um, each one of those things get addressed, it might begin to fester and become almost like an infected wound. So I love this analogy of the infected wound. Um, oh, I, I, you know, I just think I'm a visual person. Sure. So um, if you have an infection, what do you need to do? Clean it. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, let it heal. Well, and that, that's just it. It won't heal while it still has the infection, right? So if you don't do that process, then what? Then it just gets worse mm -hmm. and it hurts. To what end? If you just let it keep on, keep on, keep on. To what end? That's a good question. So... Yeah, just, you very well might have, like, if you think of an actual wound, an amputation. If wanna, yeah, if you want to. Yeah, I was going to say it can get, depending on where it is or how that yeah. works. Yeah. Can, right. So you, you might could, lose I mean, you a could, part you, of yourself. You could die. Or you could die. And so one of my biggest areas is suicide prevention. But it's not just at your hand directly. It's also the indirect things that we are doing. That's where some of those reckless behaviors come in where we just don't care as much anymore about taking care of ourselves. It could be um, in the ballpark of like food. You know, it's, it, it's a comfort, right? And as we're doing it, we're like, ah, oh, this is probably not good for me, but you know what? I'm having a hard day or what have you. Yeah, yeah. I've had those days. I yeah. still have those days. Sure. And I'm not saying don't have a lovely, luxurious meal. But what I uh, will say is it's being in integrity with our actions. It's really looking at how we're treating ourselves, especially over time. Um, these, this is also how substance abuse issues come, come filtering in. And and substances become their own beast. Um, but back to the wound analogy here, um, we're, we're perhaps trying to do things to self-medicate the infection that's there. But really all of it is technically a band-aid over an infection and that's not necessarily going to help anything until we really attend to the infection itself. Yeah, and I wanted to go back a little bit because you talk yeah. about this, uh, the thresholds and kind of like when you said in the first session, you can, you can, when you're interacting with the person, you can tell, right, we're reaching the threshold. We shouldn't go past this, this point because they could just be not good for the long run to, to go there. Um, and then you mentioned that a lot of people aren't aware of their own threshold, the self-awareness of, of knowing when you're going too far or that you're not sharing enough. Like how, how does, 
I guess from 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 like your perspective when handling a client or interacting with a client, um, what kind of how do you gauge that threshold as an observer? Like what how how could your observation help someone understand themselves? Hmm. Um as a trained professional, there are certain things that I watch out for, right? Um, so somebody uh, begins to start some nervous habits, you know, they start to tap their foot, you might like, start picking at their nails, they might start farting their nails, they, you dis- can see their elevation sense, yeah. increasing, right? It, um, it, I think that there are certain visible signs, but um, I also try to watch the cadence of their breath because when they start to have more shallow breathing, it's an indication that they're going into fight or flight. And um, perhaps they also start to get a bit defensive, so more on the fight side. Um, and if, if we're tapping into that area, it means that defense mechanisms are raising up, and that means that we're heading into a really tender area. Yes. I was talking to somebody recently about... Um, uh, this this is, feels like a little bit of a tangent, but sure. I think it's on the same vein where the word adulting came mm. up. <laughs> and I don't like that word because I don't feel like there's much of a, there's no, I'm like, there's no such thing as being an adult. We're all mm. kids just trying to do our best and oh, make sense of the world that. and blah, blah, blah. Like none of us know what we're doing. We're just, you know, sure we're paying bills, whatever. That's not yeah. an adult thing. It's just a thing. So, and then she was talking about how, I think she does certain works in the therapy world a little bit too, where she was talking about tantrum versus like the fight or flight adult version mm-hmm. of what that is, yeah. where you, you can't get through to somebody if they're, you mm-hmm. can't get through to a child if they're tantruming. You got to yeah. first address and cool it off. And then you have the learning moment after that. Right. But as an adult, you don't call it a tantrum anymore because tantrums are for for children. But it's mm-hmm. essentially the same thing that you just, just just described where once the fight or flight is triggered and people are elevated to a certain sense, a.k.a. some, you know, tantruming. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Either, yeah. I, I don't know where I was going with that. But, um, Meltdown mode. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely think that uh, adults still have that experience. Um, and to the to the point of we're all kids um, and we are supposed to just know how to do some of these things Um, some people haven't necessarily had that guidance some people um, might have parents that literally hold their hand and show them how to do these things um, how to write a check if that was what I grew up with, so that might be a little bit <laughs> archaic <world>. now. <laughs> um, or, you know, setting up a bank account. Um, what is a credit score? Things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there's a lot of, uh, quote-unquote, on-the-job training yeah. of life. And um, the truth of it is, like with, with COVID, for example, um, we haven't been through this before. So why would we know how to do it mm-hmm. per se and how to do it really, really well? Uh, a lot of things take practice and we have to learn from those mistakes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, I don't know. Where do you want to, is there, because we could talk about, I'm trying to figure out where we want to go. Um, because I know COVID is a big topic of discussion. I know that kind of, I know you started doing a lot more uh, community outreach 
I don't know if you were doing that before. For whatever reason, my mental memory recalls you doing a lot of speaking out during COVID because a lot of uh, just the circumstances of, like you just described, of what is this? We're all stuck together dealing with... Right. The, 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 our closest yeah. relationships are being tested because we're yes. stuck with each other indefinitely at that point. Mm. Um, yeah. How, how has COVID, has that, yeah, how is that progressing? I don't know. You, you're That's on a good question. Lot, it's a really great question. And um, to first share that um, this last year, uh, 2020, was by far my heaviest caseload. Um, it was certainly the most people I was seeing in a day, um, all virtual for me at that point in time. Um, and that would include, um, oh, about like nine hours a day, eight hours a day of each client being in severe crisis. Um, not everyone, but majority were panicking. Um, a lot of uh, them were dealing with, Oh, some major issues occurring. I remember feeling um, my heart drop a little bit as we went into quarantine um, because really it was kind of the perfect storm for a lot of other major issues mm -hmm. to begin to present. Um, again, substance abuse issues, domestic violence, a big one, um, and uh, suicide, definitely. Um, I was especially worried about child abuse issues. Um, there, there was just a number of different things that I knew were about to get severely exacerbated. And we didn't know the length of time that this would go on for. So that uncertainty, big emotions just flared. Um, yeah, the financial thing on top of that too. Right. People losing Absolutely. their jobs left and right. Yep. Yeah. Um, so it, let's see here for every, uh, point that the unemployment rate increases, there is a correlating 1.5% increase in the suicide rate. Um, and that can really translate to some huge, huge numbers. Um, so I, I felt uh, like I, at many times, was trying to plug the whole holes of a boat, trying to keep this ship afloat. And um, it's very typical for me at any point in time to have maybe one or two people that I'm really, really concerned about as far as uh, suicidal ideation. It might have been closer to uh, about 10 at any given point this last year. Um, and I mean severe ideation. So that, um, that was really hard. That was really heavy. And um, there are many times I felt at a loss on my own side, uncertain of where it was going to go from here, how we would get through all of this together. So where I'm at now, as we're in August of 2021, um, is that it has set the stage for me to be able to expand services at my business. And that's, uh, <laughs> um, that's really exciting. It's, it's really something that I feel 
so much gratitude to be able to do. Um, so uh, currently, build out is occurring, um, and we will be putting in an additional five therapy offices. Um, hopefully there will be multiple people in each office, um, or at least a couple of them. So we potentially will be able to bring on more than five therapists. Um, but I also am very excited to have different wellness modalities. I think different types mm. speak to different people. Um, in addition to that, we will have yoga, meditation, okay. wellness workshops, okay. and, um, support groups. Cause I think that. Um, going forward, it's again, it's that community piece. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, when tough, tough times hit, the way that we get through it is being able to have our village to to lean on. So as hard as this last year was, um, I, I really believe it has set the stage for this expansion to really be possible. Mm -hmm. Well, congratulations yeah, on the expansion. It's <laughs> very cool. No, it's great. Um, yeah, it sounds like all those. I could. I'm trying to imagine it. It's nice because you definitely seem like a person that, like, you know, all these avenues that you can help, and you're only one person. Yes. So, being able to, uh, yeah, you said. The expansion is a great word too, mm -hmm. and uh, be able to get your additional help to um, offer even more help, which is which is beautiful. Yeah. How one thing that I'm curious about and this is, I guess, more of a personal Nora side of the of the having that sort of caseload during this uncertainty uncertain time of the indefinite nature of it all and and the heightened emotions of everybody that you're that you're interacting with how uh, what what do you do for yourself to keep yourself grounded and be able to take on other people's um emotions and all that. How does that? How does that work? I, I, yeah, <laughs> I have people tell me all the time, I could not do what you do. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm sure it's similar to like a muscle where you you built up a uh, yeah. tolerance of, of yeah of some sort, but sure, yeah, I'm sure there's yeah. yeah I I think that um, sometimes uh, there are moments where we just have to do whatever it is. We just we have to put one foot in front of the other and um, we potentially will be able to further process it later like we are now, mm -hmm. right? Um, I was pregnant during that whole time. So that was, <laughs> um, that was actually uh, for me, my own little lighthouse. That was my little beacon of hope of remembering um, what's still yet to come. Mm -hmm. And keeping that in mind is that this is a moment, this is a puzzle piece in the much greater expanse of our life's time. And um, I think in terms of what I would do for myself is uh, going out in the garden, mm -hmm. um, uh, pulling the weeds. Oh, when I was really working through something, pulling weeds is really cathartic. Um, but I also tend to be really protective of my home time. Mm -hmm. And um, 
I think that having that time with my kids and hearing their giggles and being able to have a really nice hug with my husband, those are things that really keep me going and remembering my own why. Um, Victor Frankl described uh, that we have to uh, have a why in order for us to work through the suffering of whatever it is. So Victor Frankl survived Auschwitz um, and he uh, kept himself going because he hoped to be able to, of course, see his loved ones when he was on the other side of it. Um, but in addition to that, he would um, hide little napkin notes and he planned to write a book, which he did. It's called Man's Search for Meaning and definitely one that um, has been very, very um, helpful for me. Um, Life-changing, in fact. Um, but that was also something I kept in mind was uh, we have to know our why. We have to know the meaning behind our suffering because when we can do that, we can endure so much. Um, doesn't make it okay. Doesn't make it right. But sometimes that is the choice that's given to us. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know you've mentioned that book to me definitely plenty of times. I should probably read it. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, what are you feeling right now? How are you feeling? <laughs> well, I'm just trying to. Uh, um, I mean, that's that's kind of why I asked the last question. Like, how mm -hmm. do you how do you handle all of it? Mm -hmm. It sounds very. Because um, I know even in my own life, like I kind of mentioned. Uh, my, my move to Los Angeles and the pressures that come with even just surviving down there and, and getting recognized and noticed and gaining experience and everybody around me is doing the same thing. So everybody is going through this crazy anxiety dream push of, and again, deny left and right. And everybody's mm. got to put their, like I, I talk to plenty of people that are still trying to find themselves and trying to figure out their next paths whether it be family or friends or otherwise. And I know that after these extended conversations, I kind of feel weighted down with like, oh, I feel like that was helpful for them. I took some burden off of them, but then I get, uh, you know, weighted. And mm. I'm like, oh. Like luckily I'm in a position I feel confident enough and stable where I can take it, take it on. But yeah. as a profession, I'm just, I'm just thinking about putting myself in your shoes where I'm like, that's very noble work, oh. and uh, it's very necessary and needed for people. Mm. Um, but uh, I'm kind of feeling a little bit of the weight right now. It's like, mm -hmm. all right, I'm taking on some Anora's weight right now. I feel like. Oh, wow. That's really interesting. But, uh, well, here's the thing. is We can help shoulder that oh. burden with one another, and perhaps when we hear other people's stories, we, we feel that impact. Um, I think that one of the other devices I would use is that that's theirs. And I, um, I'm not in a position that I'm there to quote unquote fix it for yeah. them, yeah. right? That's part of their journey. And one of the best parts of my job is that again, I get to be counsel, um, but what I, what I give is more um, listening. 
um, suggestions maybe, recommendations on, on occasion, depending on what, what's upcoming. It might be a book suggestion. Um, but at the same time, um, it is that person's life and for them to be able to carry um, and decide also what stones that they want to take uh, out of their backpack. So let me come back a little bit of what I mean by that. Um, I like to, again, use visuals yeah. and analogies, metaphors. Oh, yes. Um, but one that I really like to use is the idea that we have this backpack that we carry throughout life, right? And um, early on, we might put some pebbles in, right? Um, and it's not so bad. It's fine. We got this. Um, some people might have some trauma, so that's more like some really heavy rocks that we're putting into it, right? But typically throughout life, we're going to add to that backpack and that load. And there's really only so much that we're going to be able to carry. You know, once it gets halfway full, you're like, oh man, this is noticeable. This is, ah, I'm sore. Um, but we keep on keeping on. Um, and then it gets to a point perhaps where it is too much. And at that point in time, we now come to a crossroads of what we're going to do about it. Um, ideally, we'll be able to take some of those stones out. Um, and how do we do that? Well, it might be that, again, we notice the infection, we begin to make efforts towards um, trying to heal ourselves, but it might also be reconciling certain things within ourselves that we don't necessarily need to carry any longer. That would include, um, not that you don't care tremendously about the burdens of others, but they're not necessarily yours to carry. Mm -hmm. So perhaps if you're carrying other people's stuff, then those are some of those stones where those aren't for you. Um, you can love that person, you can assist that person, but that does not necessarily mean that their stones, their trauma is trauma that you're also in need of carrying. We as a collective, when we see one another's trauma, it's empathy. It's compassion when we feel the desire to do something about that and to, to be able to take it on. Um, but compartmentalization is really key to the work that I do. Um, for each person that sits in front of me, I like to open that box, be fully 100% present. Um, but at the same time, um, I have to be able to close it, put it away sure, sure. in order for me to then put my intention and focus where it's needed. That doesn't mean that things don't filter through because I think about my people all the time, all the time. My people know that they're dearly loved. Uh, that's something that I try very much to convey in my actions. Yeah. But um, at the same time, if I'm not okay, then I'm not going to be as great of service sure. to them. Now, I guess in the in the analogy space, I imagine it being like you have your backpack, and mm -hmm. then I'm listening. Which is okay. <laughs> Not, but I'm listening to somebody, and yeah. that listening is me taking some weight out of their backpack. Let's say so. It's me taking. I'm, I imagine because in the moment, ideally, if one cares, the weight is actually. I'm. I, I imagine the weight is being felt, so it's like, all right, I'm actually taking your your stone and putting it in my backpack for right now to make you feel, you know, to help, help less lighten. less lessen your load. And then once we separate, and I've helped you, helps in that sense, or however you want to see that, 
I go through my own process of recognizing that stone's not mine, and then mm. I take that stone out of my backpack and then, you know, put it on the ground back in the river or whatever. Mm -hmm. So that that's kind of how I envision that weight being handled. Is there's that post process of of understanding it's not your weight to carry, but still. Um, I don't know. It's, yeah, there's there's a I, I think there's know. again there's a collective sure. burden. Um, and there are some really, really difficult things that happen in this world. That's one of the things that's happening with Afghanistan right now. There's just this massive collective mourning and grief that's taking place. And, um, I think that so many of us are feeling it. Um, I think that that's one of the helpless feelings of uh, watching what's occurring in Afghanistan at this point in time for women, especially, um, it's, it's heartbreaking. And when we feel that sense of helplessness or powerlessness, um, that in particular, I think is when we get that very heavy feeling of, um, I, I can't do anything necessarily to fix this or make it better. And that I think is, is one of those times where we really, um, kind of crumble a little bit internally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Afghanistan is a whole. It's a, a whole, whole other ball of wax. It's a whole... Oh man! Yep. All right. So. Yep. There's <laughs> um, a lot happening in this world I, I at wanted... this time. Okay. Yeah. One other thing, I guess. One thing that Afghanistan. I guess just to stay on that for for one week, because I haven't quite had a chance to express this to many people. But yeah. I recently listened to um, I listened to the Joe Rogan podcast. Sure. He had um, a woman on recently that's kind of stuck with me since I listened to it. It was very heavy. She escaped from North Korea mm. and was talking for two hours and 45 minutes about existence there, mm. the Holocaust that are happening there currently that have been going on for 80 years, and who knows how long they'll continue, the concentration camps, punishments of your grandfathers, and yeah. all that kind of stuff. So then... I not quite I've been I have, I have no idea how to process that really like that's been like a weird thing to have in the back of my mind since right. that has kind of come forward so then hearing <clears throat> the Afghanistan scenario on top of that mm. I'm just trying to it, it's all very weird to me both are happening simultaneously and for the most part we're only hearing about one of the situations and not the other so it's mm -hmm. I, I'm trying to figure out it's the same kind of thing of like what what can I do what is there to be done and awareness is kind of the, the biggest thing we can do to just this exists and this is what's happening and we don't want it to be happening and right. please please know that it's happening right but I know that uh yeah, it's all very tricky and scary and very. crazy. Yeah, very. So. You know, these things have been happening the world over for, world again, big. as long as the earth, um, well, not as long as the earth, because <laughs> we're not as old as that. That's very, uh, whoa. As long as. So as long as people have been around, um, 
I think that these things have been occurring, um, at least to some extent or another. And we live in the day and age of information. It is at our fingertips. All you have to do is uh, open your phone and uh, look at the news. And then all of a sudden you're flooded with all of this information about things that are happening everywhere. Maybe they're natural disasters here or natural disasters there. Um, maybe you're quite literally in the thick of it. Um, you know, we have this massive blanket of smoke over us here in the, the Reno area, but um, that's due to these massive wildfires that are occurring. Um, there are times where we cannot ignore these things that are happening. They just are. Um, I think that Part of it is this uh, awakening experience that comes along with it. Um, I think that there are things that are in our control and then there are the things that are outside of that control. And I think that's one of the parts that can be particularly difficult is that some of the things that we want to affect and make difference toward are outside of our control. So then we're left to look at the things that are within that sphere of our, our control. Um, and it's not as many as we'd like it to be, <laughs> yeah. as, as many things as we'd like for it to be. So, um, for example, I think that it is within our control in terms of how we treat one another. Um, to the point earlier that, you know, a, a lot of families and friends uh, have really uh, taken quite a hard hit this last year, whether it be because they were in such close quarters or maybe because of distance possibly political feelings and differences of opinion, whether it was the actual election or maybe it's uh, the handling of COVID and to get a vaccine, to not get a vaccine, to wear a mask, to not wear a mask. Um, I think that these are things that we're, we're coming to find that people are really digging their heels into. And part of that is because of safety. Um, and politically, uh, life is political. Inherently, I think that there are certain things that we can um, attempt to address, um, but with these things that are happening the world over, um, part of our job, I think, is to be affected, um, but also to allow ourselves to see what it is that we personally want to focus on to try to do better. I think there's, to Afghanistan, there's a lot of people that have felt like, what was the point? Uh, what was the purpose of $2 trillion having been spent 20 over 20 years of time? The lives lost. So certainly there were the civilians there. There were um, uh, the uh, militants, but then there were our own soldiers. And it you know, if we look at the numbers for our own soldiers of those who died in combat or what have you, things that occurred there, um, it, it, it pales in comparison to the number of suicide deaths that have happened. So since 2001, there has been 114,000 veterans who have completed suicide. Um, it accounts for 22% of all deaths. That's where that number, the 22% comes from. Um, I, there was the, the um, I don't know if it was TikTok or whatever, that people were doing the push-ups, the 22 push-ups a day. Um, anyway, so... Not on TikTok, but... 
but yeah, I'm not really either. So I'm I'm not really with the times, I guess. <laughs> I'm a little bit so, as we have already so seen archaic. So you're saying twenty two percent of all deaths in the last twenty years? Um, yes. Yes. So or... I I would say, uh, let's see here. For post nine eleven vets, um, it accounts for twenty two percent of oh, okay. all deaths. Um, it is the second highest cause of death for veterans. Um, but with that said, who knows what 2020 was? These are uh, pre-COVID numbers as well. So um, what it has been this last year, and honestly, in this last week even, I don't know. Um, but it, it's something that, um, that, that is an area where I know I can try to affect change. That is where I'm focusing, is suicide prevention, because that is something that I can do something about, and it's meaningful, and it's important. Um, that's not to say that I won't, of course, hopefully at some point in my life, be able to advocate for, for women's rights. Um, I, I believe in equity. Um, and the things that we're hearing about Afghanistan or these North Korean women um, or North Korean people in general, um, it, it's, it's so disheartening. It's so hard to hear. Um, and I think that uh, all of it is where we as a collective whole are becoming attuned to one another in this globalization process. Um, I think that as a collective whole, humanity is moving from um, such horrible forms of relating to one another. Um, we probably have fewer deaths when it comes to like homicides and things like that than we would have had thousand years ago. That's just my guess. That's just my guess. I don't know that there's any statistics for that, but I'm guessing sure, sure. Um, with high probability, I would say that it's hopefully a whole lot less than what it was way, 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 way back when. Um, but we don't necessarily see that. We see what's happening now. We see what's being reported on the news mm -hmm. and it feels like it's happening all the time. In truth of it, I think we have progressed immensely. There's a lot of work to do, mm -hmm. still. Definitely. That's I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot there. There's I, a lot to unpack. <laughs> I, will, I will say, in terms of um, the veterans, uh, the military veterans and, and suicide prevention and, and what one can do there, I, I, I don't know. I... I didn't quite know this going in. Like I've been working with this production company that produces content for military veterans specifically. It's mm -hmm. like veteran television, and they do like comedic, uh, comedic content, kind of joking about um, like the boots on the ground, actual experience mm -hmm. of being in the military, versus like the glorified stuff that they put they put in the campaigns, like be a hero, like whatever, all right. that kind of action movie looking stuff. Like they actually joke about the. The recruiting process and how disorganized stuff is like all that so i know that they're it's, it's called veteran television and i know like their um their overall goal is to give that outlet for these military veterans that there's this there's at least this content they can watch with their buddies and talk about and it keeps kind of them going and they can they can all bond and laugh at these tragedies that they experience versus like, you know, so then that kind of comes to mind. I'm like, oh, uh, there's what. However, we can do our parts. Everybody's you know, I, I'm a big fan of the 
uh, putting positivity out there and whatnot. Yeah. But um, let's can we let's jump to a little bit of a lighter topic. Sure, um, absolutely. For the last a last half an hour or so. Because okay. um, uh, prefaced a little bit that we did uh, we did live with each other for a little while, um, and there's still a part of of Nora that. That maybe I'm a little bit unfamiliar with, like pre pre moving in with you. I this is I want to talk about the Nora story as a whole too. Like it's very, I I remember moving in with you initially, and like just knowing how awesome you were from the get go. With oh my gosh, this woman has like her own house in Midtown. <laughs> She's got like multiple bit was it multiple multiple businesses at, at the time. Mm-hmm. And it's like she's got, you know, you got your cat. You had, you had your cats and your dog, and I don't know, the the college, the, the multiple degrees. Yeah. So I'm just like, wow. This is who is this person? And uh, and since then, you've you've only followed through with everything that you kind of had envisioned, like the whole time that I've known you too, with with. You had dreams of the family life and yeah. and these expansions and it's no it's it's been it's been a joy to be a part of and to be on the uh, the outside watching and, and and all that but where does the for, for when you look back on yourself where does the where does this version of you kind of have has this version of you always existed or did did seventeen year old you start like you know there's different branches of ourselves that I, I look at myself as but mm-hmm. is there where, where does the Nora story start for you just five birth <laughs> <laughs> uh, well for any of us it's probably birth sure, sure. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah I uh, I would say if I could pinpoint, you know, the, the real beginning for me personally, it was when my father passed away when I was 14 years old. Um, that turned my whole life upside down, um, as death often will do, especially when it's the, a a very close person. And, um, yeah, that was a, a huge game changer. We moved about four months after he passed away, uh, to Reno. Um, and that was in the middle of my eighth grade year. And, um, I think that Reno did provide me opportunities that I might not have had otherwise. Um, speech and debate was a really big one. Mm -hmm. Um, I, in high school was able to get, uh, two state championships. Um, I was also Miss Nevada junior national teenager. Well, <laughs> a lot happened. <laughs> um, you know, but I, the, the reason why I think I've been so propelled towards achievement and doing well um, is that um, it, it was probably about a year and a half after my, my dad passed away that our home burned down. Um, so it was another really big, significant loss. We moved to Reno to be closer to my grandparents, who then died in succession of one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, my grandpa be- right before the fire, um, and my grandma about 10 months following that. Um, my mom was uh, going through some treatments that um, were difficult. 
uh, to watch her have to endure. And she started to uh, lose her hair and uh, became very gaunt. There was a point in my life that I thought I would be an orphan. And I felt like I have to be okay. And um, I didn't know who else to really rely on, uh, except for that I had to have my own back. And um, I think that was a huge, huge component to my desiring to do well uh, academically, but also um, it set the stage for being able to empathize with people when it comes to grief when it comes to trauma. Um, I have my own background of some very difficult uh, experiences and circumstances. And because of that background, I can relate to people on a very different level. And I'm so grateful for that. Not grateful for all the things that mm -hmm. happened, mm -hmm. but I am grateful for the me that I am now having endured it. And um, another big one that I think is... Um, important is that a friend of mine, uh, my senior year of college, uh, completed suicide and it really, um, blindsided me at that point in time, I was close to 200 pounds, uh, which I'm only about five, three. So really what it, it conveyed is I think I was really heavily depressed and, um, I didn't realize it entirely, but I myself might have had a bit of a foot out the door, so to speak. His choice, um, which I know had to have come from uh, immense pain, um, felt like something I did not want to, to do. I didn't want for my family, my friends, to experience what I myself was feeling in the wake of his loss. And that was, uh, for me, an awakening moment of realizing I, um, if I take this off the table, if this is no longer an option, not that I, again, was really, really considering it, but it's kind of one of those uh, escape hatch plans, <laughs> um, plan B, um, but uh, that, that was no longer something I, I wanted to, to have on the table. And so what did that mean? Well, it meant I had to truly live. Mm -hmm. I had to truly make it a life that I wanted to live. So, um, I graduated college, uh, moved back to Reno. I went to UC Santa Barbara for, for college, moved back to Reno to get my master's. And that was about the point that you met me um, just following getting, uh, completing my master's and um, on my journey towards full licensure. And you were, what were you going for to school for um, during that time? Uh, so I got my bachelor's degree in psychology, okay. um, and my master's was in counseling and educational psychology with an emphasis in marriage and family therapy. So, so the uh, professional plan was always this route, kind of, or was there was there deviations on the direction you wanted to go with that at any point, or? For me, I was very focused. Um, because of my background, I felt like this was really the path I wanted to go. I had had a couple of therapists myself, one when I was really young and my parents were uh, going through a divorce and my mom just wanted to make sure that I was doing okay. And I loved her. I thought she was an amazing therapist. She had this um, sand tray room 
and there's figurines on these shelves. And I was like, this is amazing. Um, but she took pictures. She, she told me, tell me a story. And so I did. And she took pictures of it and she put it into a little book and she sent it to me. It was so meaningful. And um, she also apparently got into some sort of small fender bender with a uh, rental car and got some uh, nail polish, do a little um, fix. <laughs> um, but she gave me the nail polish. It was like the seafoam green. I was like, oh, this is so cool. It just, it, it was, um, it was relating to me and as, as a person. And I just, I really loved her. And she was also the one who really, um, emphasized to my mom to get me a journal. And that's one of the things that I often do is journal. Um, that I would say is where I recalibrate and I, um, own my own story. But I also had another therapist during my teen years that I felt less enthused with and, um, thought, you know what, I can do this better. Maybe that was just my teen self, (laughs) but, um, that I think was definitely something that propelled me into this portion of my career. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can you tell me about, okay, this is more of like a personal aside, but journaling, um, you still journal? Oh yeah. Okay. Can you, how, I tried the daily journaling this year. Sure. I, I feel like I'm very good at like when I make mm-hmm. a when I make a decision to do something, I can mm-hmm. follow through and do it day in day out. Journaling, however, I, I fell off the wagon on. Mm-hmm. I think I did it for a few months, and I wasn't quite sure what I was get, like. I didn't know. I feel like my issue was I didn't know why I was doing it or mm-hmm. what I was. I wasn't really feeling anything doing it. So what? Mm-hmm. It might help me with jumping back on the wagon, but like, what, uh, what is your approach on, like, in the moment, or is it, uh, is it in the, in the moment thing that you're getting in the experience of, of like unloading on the page, or is it like a future thing to look back on? How do all of the above? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, truly, I, I, um, I look back at some of my oldest journals and I cringe for sure. Oh boy. <laughs> So I probably don't do so that particularly often. Yeah, I mean, so I've got an entire bookshelf that's just that's full of. That's dangerous, isn't it? It well, yeah, <laughs> certainly. And if 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 so, one of the other pieces I'll say to our audience is, if you don't feel safe, if you feel like you have confidential information that won't be safe in there, then that's probably going to be one of the reasons, impetus-wise, that they wouldn't uh, to utilize a oh, journal. Sure, sure. Um, but with that said, um, for for those that um, are, are just trying to get into the groove of it I don't do it daily actually okay, okay. I do it as needed and mm. um, it might be a week that goes by it might be daily for a period of time things are happening or I have the time mm. the the desire um, I think that it's really a neat thing to go back and to read some of the things that um, I was experiencing. And oftentimes, too, I'll write down the things that I don't want to forget. For example, uh, really meaningful moments where maybe it was my kiddo taking his first steps um, and explaining and describing the experience of what it was for me. Oh. <laughs> um, or maybe, you know, it was the birth of my children. Maybe it was that it was just a perfect day. 
I had today a perfect day. We, uh, I woke up with the sunrise and I got to have my cup of coffee on the porch and I got to just take some really good deep breaths and that was in and of itself so peaceful. That is one of those moments where it's like, oh, nice. I'm glad for me that I had that, mm -hmm. you know? And I think that there are, of course, really hard things that I need to write about as well. There are things that I don't want to share with others, you know, or that I don't yet have the words for. And so maybe at first it's complaining um, or, or just being mad or whatever it is. And then I think I work through it to find more so the nugget that I really need to focus on. Anger is what's called a secondary emotion. Here's my little one. See, she's angry right now. <laughs> I want my chocolate. No, I don't know what she said. I want it now, right? I hear you, girl. That's so true. I get that. I feel you. Um, but anger is a secondary emotion. So there's always something behind it. Maybe it's hurt. Maybe it's pain. Maybe it's frustration. Maybe it's impatience. Um, whatever it is, that is part of what's fueling the anger, right? And so that's usually where I'll go in my journal entries is what's behind it? What's going on? What do I need to tune into um, and do that internal check-in around in order for me to not lash out or put this on somebody else? Yeah, it was nice to hear that you journal for the positive stuff. I mean, yeah. I, I know I, I talk to people about meditation on occasion and... Uh, um, I often hear that like, oh, I don't really, med I, I, you know, I meditate on it as needed. And normally I only meditate when, um, this is them speaking, normally I only meditate when I'm feeling like stressed or anxiety. And then they go into the meditative thing to try to, try to chill out. But it's not like, uh, they wait for that to, to do it. So I was kind of expecting to hear that like, oh, I'm a little bit overwhelmed. I'm going to journal but i'm sure that happens too definitely i know i know i i was i journaled it was pre-journal times for me when i journaled a couple times during during lockdown because it was just yeah. like whoo but um no i'm i the positive stuff that's very that's that's great yeah locking in those memories yeah yeah i know i have a dream journal where i because mm. dreams you know disappear like an instant so definitely. so um that happens on occasion that's awesome <laughs> that's whatever the, yes <laughs> thank you yeah um okay so you had those two larger life events that really directed you to um kind of the foundational pillars i'll call them on sure. on who you are today uh can we talk about um yoga oh yeah <laughs> yes you mentioned in passing on the expansion that yoga is likely to be included as one of the definitely one of the uh one of the things you provide services so, that we offer services yeah. yes that's the word uh how is is that in line with the thing you told me off camera with your looking to you're buying back the company that you used to have no. or okay no. no um so there are times in life where we might feel as if we have failed because it didn't go according to the plan that we originally had set out to do okay i have always dreamed of creating a wellness center and um gosh this was 2014 um 
I uh, was co-owner of this yoga studio. And um, at that point in time, I did the build out for my private practice, which is just nestled downstairs. Um, and the yoga studio was just upstairs. And, um, oh man, it, um, I feel like it was really, really tremendously difficult at that point in time for a multitude of reasons. But with that said, I learned so much. Um, that set the foundation for me to have a run at it again at this point in time, knowing what has transpired previously. Um, and in truth, I didn't really feel as if I had failed per se. Um, but I, I think that for me personally, I didn't have the foundation that I do now. Um, so I would say with what's going on at this point in time is uh, there were other tenants that occupied that space upstairs um, and uh, I don't know what their circumstances were but they no longer are, are uh, there um, and the building owner said uh, hey you you described that you might be interested in, in taking over a space again do you want these two spaces upstairs and it was much bigger than I had even anticipated um, but in my soul it was, it was a huge yes, like, let's do this. So the yoga piece of it will still be a part of it, but it's going to look a little different than what it was previously. Um, I'll only be able to have 10 students for yoga in specific. Uh, we'll be able to have a much uh, larger attendance for meditation because we'll just be able to have people on cushions um, or chairs, depending on their physical needs. Um, but we're also going to do those support groups and uh, the wellness workshops in this uh, group space. And what feels really great about this is there are all sorts of different ways for finding healing and well-being. Yoga in particular, I really love because it combines mind, body, and soul. We're not inherently disconnected. And yet in our society, in our day and age, it's almost as if the mind overrules the body. It tells us what's gonna, what it is going to do. Even when we receive those messages of pain, we're trying to overrule them all the time. But in mind, yoga, mind over matter. that's right. That's right. And uh, at what cost? I think that the body doesn't have recourse verbally. So it gives you these messages and says like, ah, please stop. Please don't do that. <laughs> but I can't tell you that. You have to find that that um, understanding, I suppose. In, in yoga, you're going to get into a position. And if you feel that message of pain, that's a signal to back out. That you don't need to have pain. What you should have is a really good deep stretch. Um, but when we're feeling that, then it's an indication that something's not quite right and we need to listen. So a little bit of science here. Hey, um, the seat of emotion in your brain is what's called the amygdala. And the amygdala um, is in the midbrain. There's uh, the longest nerve in your body called the vagus nerve, and it is very close to the amygdala, and it goes down into the heart as well as into the gut. So when somebody says, oh, I got a gut feeling about this, they really do. But because it's the midbrain, um, it, it doesn't have the words to really help you understand what it is. So you just, you might have a tummy ache, you might just have this feeling, just this like, oh, I don't feel good, I feel nauseous, I just, I don't know, I feel like I'm in knots. 
something is coming up for you. You just haven't yet pinpointed it and put words to it. And that's one of the things I think we can do as we're integrating in the physical aspects of uh, well-being and wellness. And that's where, and that's what yoga provides. It does because you're, you're breathing. So that in and of itself is one of the best ways to detox the body. Oh, I like that breath. Good one. <laughs> that's a really nice breath you just took there. Mm. But that in and of itself is a release. Um, and when we can do several of those breaths, and we do the same in meditation, um, it, it's a release in order to be able to become more at home in one's body. Mm. That's one of the best grounding techniques, quite frankly. Um, I think when we're, we're way up here, we're overwhelmed, that is a signal that we need to come back down into our grounding of self. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Um, okay, I'm trying to think about... Um, so then we live together. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> like you said, it's about when I came in. You were you were tackling growing both businesses at the same time. That was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was also a speech and debate coach for Hug High School. Oh, yeah, okay. I was also a court appointed special advocate for children. So I essentially had four jobs at that point in time, and it was. And you were killing too it. much. No, I mean. Uh, <laughs> I mean. No, I mean it's yeah. a lot to tackle. So yeah. I. I yeah, like you said, it's not it's not a failure. It's it's just a. Uh, you know, it was. It's, it's a, it's a, it was it's, intense. Yeah. Plus, I mean, failing failing isn't necessarily a bad thing anyway. It's not. You know, right? it shouldn't be looked at negatively. Yeah. Whatever. But um, okay. So. <laughs> I don't know. It's. I was going to talk about the, the game nights mm. very briefly. I love the game nights. I miss them a lot. Um, I I guess for the... It's not really something I'd talk about too much in L.A. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody freaks out about the twister element still. Oh, that's so funny. Because <laughs> um, what... I guess just for, for people that don't know... Um, mm-hmm. I forget which year it was. It was before I moved in with you. Okay. I had this um, weirdly ambitious monthly game night goal that I had of like, mm-hmm. all right, my New Year's resolution this year is mm-hmm. each month I'm hosting a game night. It's gonna mm-hmm. be the it's gonna be the Eddie games that like get people to interact and force mm-hmm. force interactions with people that you normally wouldn't like it was really wholesome too it was, it was, it was really beautiful it was beautiful and i loved it yeah um yeah because i mean my i'm sure i talked to you about it before but the inspiration was like going to college i hate mm-hmm. the college parties i hate the beer pong and drinking games and everybody sticking with their click and there's no interaction outside of your your little group so yeah. Meeting people was like nearly impossible, and everybody had their walls up. So I'm like, what could I host to break these walls down? <laughs> and uh, um, Twister was the main event, mm-hmm. and that's a great icebreaker, wall breaker. You get to know people <laughs> real fast. <laughs> you get comfortable really quick. Yes. <laughs> and Every, you know, as long as every everybody shows up knowing it's going to happen, so you dress for the occasion, sure. 
And I know I had high expectations for you because you had the yoga background. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of pressure for you yeah. to, to show up and perform. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I look back on those very fondly. Yeah. And um, I guess, I don't know, because you mentioned it before. You mentioned it, mm-hmm. we talked, yeah, that you met Brian on yeah. uh, essentially on the twister mat is what I'll, what I'll call it. Well, I met, I met him at the front door and whoo, man, okay. I opened the door and those blue eyes, whoo. Uh, <laughs> Brian's mm-hmm. a hunk. Oh man, he's, yeah. So. Sure, what do you, he, what, what was your, what's your, what's your recollection of the, of the night? Well, the front door. Okay. so I do recall you saying, hey, we should do a twister night. I was like, Oh, yeah, you were ner- you were about I was it for very nervous. I hadn't really done twisters since I was like maybe 10. And, you know, I, I am a yoga instructor. So I thought, okay, I'll try my hand at this. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I loved it. Um, those nights are really fond memories for me. And it was um, really fun to have fun. You know, it it was very playful and um, that particular night, um, yeah, Brian and I definitely, um, we were very competitive with each other and I just, yeah, I thought he was hunky. I thought he was super hot. Um, But I also really enjoyed my conversation with him too. (laughs) Um, We exchanged our bucket list that night. Oh, really? That first night. Um, Was it pre or post Twister Match? Oh, that was definitely post. Yeah, yeah. We had also uh, played poker, and oh my gosh, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. But because yeah. I guess um, the 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 fun the fun fun slash funny thing was you two were the final two remaining. Yeah. In the tournament, yeah. So it was a tournament event, and it was fun. I don't even remember who won that night. Brian. Brian definitely won that night. So uh, actually Donald Abbott took our very first picture together, which is me in a position that I'd never been able to get into before. Didn't get out of it. Uh, So fell. And um, in our first picture, all you see is like Brian's butt. (laughs) But um, yeah, so Brian Brian won that night. Um, But he had said how he had noticed me previously. I guess he had gone over to play some video games or something. And yeah, anyway, he, I think, found the excuse of like picking my phone off of the the steps outside and handing it to me saying, oh, I don't want you to get this stolen. I was like, okay, (laughs) thanks. And I remember thinking like, oh, Eddie's got some really cute friends. Um, <laughs> but I was like so in everything sure, that I was so doing. Much, at the, so I was outside pulling weeds, in fact. It's an oldie but a goodie in terms of that cathartic process. <laughs> sure. um, but yeah, and I uh, and he went that night in hopes that I would be there. So that was super sweet. But I was being used. Yeah. <laughs> well, kidding. when we exchanged our bucket list, uh, I asked him, what, what's at the top of your list? And he said, to be a husband and a father. Oh, uh, sure, for me, start. it was also to be a wife and a mother. And I had written out my bucket list back in uh, graduate school. Um, and so I thought, oh, hmm, 
I like that. Okay, I asked him, so, how many do you want? And he said five, no hesitation. And at the time, that was my number. Now we have three, and I, oh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you about that. We'll yeah, see. Yeah. Uh, we're very game for a fourth, and um, that might be it. We'll see. I, I don't know. But That's... all I can say is um, I owe you a debt of gratitude. I'm very grateful that that occurred. Um, but those nights, you know, we, Brian and I definitely got to grow in our relationship um, and with our community, our friend group that, that we got to meet. There are definitely still people that we uh, get to enjoy the company of even to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it was really a cool thing that you brought that about. And I would say prepare yourself. You are just an incredible person. When I give you compliments, um, you're like, oh, <laughs> but sure, I want you to really gotta, hear this. Be <laughs> well, Try I think that the thing is, is that we don't want to come across as like having a massive ego or whatever. Sure. And we're like, oh, yeah, you're right. You're 100% right about me. It, it obviously yeah, feels yeah. good. And um, you are somebody who brings together community yourself. So what you see in me, I see in you. Mm-hmm. And I think that you are uh, still just brimming full of potential. And I'm so proud of you. 38 podcasts, man. Oh, sure. Really good Thank on you. you. Thank you. You're always very good at saying very nice things. Oh, so appreciated. So you're saying you're open to four. I guess the, I guess the, the whole, I mean... I'm sure you probably look at it this way anyway. Like you, you. I feel like you've already won. Yeah, I mean, you're mm-hmm. already in. You're already in win mode. So it's kind of you're just putting gravy on. Like I don't know. For us. <laughs> well, life is sure. oh, hopefully, hopefully a good long chunk of time. Hundred percent. I'm only in my thirties well, now. Just, I just mean. So, I, I I agree with you. I think that um, what I've already accomplished, uh, and that would include the family and this life that we've cultivated, this is it. This is what I've always dreamed of. And anything above and beyond that, um, I would say, is just the continuation, hopefully, of, of getting to see this life as it plays out. I'm an existentialist. And what that means is I really enjoy those big, heavy questions of existence, Mm -hmm. what it is to exist, to not exist at some point in the future. We all have an expiration date. Um, Most of us don't know when or how, thankfully, um, but we know that that is a part of being. Um, With that said, though, it's what do we do in our life's time? Mm -hmm. And I think that so many of us feel like, well, you know, I'm just one person. What could I do? Right. Or what's the importance of me? And, And I would say that each and every one of us has a contribution to make. Each and every one of us has something that we can give and we have ripples to make. Sometimes we have to do a hard pivot, even if that wasn't what we had intended or planned. Things don't necessarily go according to the plan that we have in our head as to how it quote unquote should be. Um, But also it is that adaptability and seeing where we're needed. And each and every person has something that they are able to, to do to that end. What is it that you want to do in your life's time, Eddie? Oh, please, me. Oh. You're going to see this question at the end. <laughs>
the big question, isn't it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's one of the biggest. Well, I mean, I mean, you kind of already uh, said it very nicely um, just a bit ago with, I've always been, um, I, I get oh, so much fulfillment with, uh, bringing people together um, and creating that environment of uh, what's the word like people feeling comfortable to be themselves and to uh, share themselves with others that's so like when I when I when I'm putting together a film project, I, I, I always think about it as the phases of, of the production mm -hmm. too, where I enjoy bringing the people together and everybody's in the passion of, mm -hmm. in, in, on the road of their own passion and bringing all those passions together and making a thing like that in its own yeah. is fulfilling. And then the thing itself that is made is then turned over and shared with the world and can then provide um, additional messaging and 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 feels in here for for people to go out into the world then and have this openness and this hopefully a a, a different view or an you know an, an adjusted adjusted view of the world where where they are uh, uh, less. I think I think people can veer negative very easily mm -hmm. so trying to flip that to like no think positively first or benefit of the doubt or such and such yeah um i, I think that's my short answer is um whatever that was um yeah providing some sort yeah the, yeah so you're trying to provide a lighthouse a glimmer of hope for people yeah, to hope. do their we're best all, selves we're all the hope like you kind yeah. of said earlier hope is huge yeah and um again like like your earlier talk of just the awareness of uh of the the not aloneness feeling yeah. and the um i don't know just my like the, the message of my latest movie that i just shot uh in may is um like living in the moment mm. versus um thinking too much about the future or mulling over decisions in the past it's like be in the present mm. and that presentness the listening the the love like all mm. of that is you know it's all we have so don't don't waste this moment here for like it's that weird combo of like living yeah. in the moment actually provides a better future to live in the moment in <laughs> so yeah. it's, it's the whole weird thing so that's that's something i've been pushing a lot lately mm. is uh, presentness and appreciation yeah yeah i think that is um one of the best things that we can possibly do because we can't change the past the future is not yet written certainly we can try to put planning and preparation mm -hmm. towards that future that we hope to cultivate but where are we we're here we're here and now yeah yep <clears throat> so i guess lastly um I'll end with we'll we'll kind of bookend this with the uh, the therapy talk. Sure. Um, what 
because uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of um, proactiveness versus reactiveness. Oh, yeah. So what can people be mindful of or be signing up for to, like, to, to keep thy mental self um, healthy now so create a less percentage chance of, of uh, I don't know, whatever, mental health. <laughs> Bad question, but I hope you know what I'm trying to ask. I got you. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> so um, I want to talk directly here to to the, the audience. Um, I said it earlier and I'll say it again. Uh, we all have mental health, whatever condition that it might be in. And when we can tune into things that are happening internally, we can better deal with the things that are happening externally. And in addition to that, if you are not okay, and how do we know that we're not okay, right? We might feel like, wow, I, I don't feel okay. But it might also be in the things that are happening around you. So for example, lashing out more, more frequently, or it could be that, that sense of overwhelm, you're going into fight, flight, freeze mode. Um, it might be that there's some really heavy substance use uh, and abuse. Um, it could be that uh, there is that sense of isolation and loneliness. Um, there, there's so many different ways to come into the understanding that something is happening. And there might also be that sense of, well, what could I even do about this? And that, that right there, I think is one of the biggest signals that maybe you need some additional support. Now that could be just family and friends reaching out to, to people who you love dearly um, and saying, hey, I, uh, I'd love to go for a walk. I'd love to go get a cup of coffee. Um, I would love to just talk to you for a little while. Um, but it might also be that there might be some professional support that might be integrated in as well. The thing about therapy is that it doesn't necessarily mean that there's something wrong with you. Um, it could very well just mean that you are having a very natural reaction to some extraordinarily trying circumstances. And that this moment really could be the bread and butter for what it is that you do with the rest of your beautiful life. And if it doesn't feel that way right now, I would encourage you to please keep on keeping on because eventually you can look back and you can see that long fetch of time, your own history and what it was that you got through in order to come into the here and now. If you had asked me back in 2014 uh, how I felt about things versus now, I would say um, now I, I am very happy in fact. Um, but part of that too was the endurance. It was as well leaning on my village and knowing that I had people around me whom I could lean on when needed. And I think that being there for others is one of the ways that we can give back. If you see somebody struggling to put groceries in their car, maybe it's an elderly individual, be willing to say, hey, do you need support? Would you like some help? It could be something that um, you know a friend is grieving, offer to do their dishes. 
right? There are small things that we can do to make this world a better place. And part of it is for saying, maybe I'm not in a position to give that to somebody else because I myself am right now in need of that support. And I think it's one of the hardest things to do is ask for help, right? (laughs) It's, It's one of the most vulnerable things that we can do. But one of the most important in that if we don't do that, then um, I think that we we don't give ourselves uh, that leg to stand on to really succeed. So um, thank you all for listening to what I've had to share with you. And I truly hope that this will inspire somebody to live their glorious life. Beautifully said. Beautifully said. Thanks. Thank you. Um, super last 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 question where can people (laughs) that want to keep up with let's say therapy thursdays i think those go up online yeah um sierra sunrise wellness where can people follow nora or the business or the segments is there a yeah a little shout out to the, the that kind of stuff cool Thanks. Um, so uh, if you're in the Reno area, then Therapy Thursdays every other Thursday um, around 8.15 a.m. So if you want to catch me live. In addition to that, those segments do go online to my Facebook page. My business is Sierra Sunrise Wellness Group. Um, we also have an Instagram uh, in addition, and that's also Sierra Sunrise Wellness Group. Um, my uh, website is sierrasunrisewellness.com. Um, I would say as well, uh, for those who are looking to start therapy, I would recommend trying psychologytoday.com or goodtherapy.org. These are both resources where you can filter out results that will meet your needs. So for example, insurance, cost, as well as specific issues that are presenting for you and your area. Wherever you are, there are resources. Um, There are now some online resources that might also be an option. But in addition to that, for me personally, um, I I would say hopefully I'll just continue to grow and flourish here. And um, I think I'll always be trying to to post additional updates as to where people can find uh, more resources blog posts that's something i hope to do more of coming up soon for sure i like it okay (laughs) all right well thanks again for having me over thanks for being on good to great to see you yeah and uh we'll leave it there okay all right bye